What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Live Loud Life Podcast. My name is Antonio, your host of the Live Loud Life Podcast. And today, we're going to be talking about nutrition and training. Uh, I have with me Roy Ulrich. Uh, he owns Rough Fitness. Uh, but it's more than just that, because w- I'm going to let him give the intro on what he's doing, uh, not only here in Lafayette, Colorado, but from a global scale as well. Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm extremely excited to be here and talk to you guys about nutrition today. Um, so yeah, so as you were saying, um, we own a gym right here, literally right across the street from you guys um, in Lafayette. And we do a mix between hit training, cross training, bodybuilding, but more so on a global scale, we do a lot of things between workouts, nutrition, and accountability. We have our own app. We have our own supplements to help people with supplement regimens if they have gaps in their nutrition. Um, but what we do different than what I find most people is the educational piece. I think a lot of people will join an online program or a gym and they just say, okay, workout or follow this nutrition plan. Do and this. Do this and, and then that's it. And nobody ever really knows why. And as soon as your one month, three months, six months, however long it is of your workout or nutrition commitment is done, then you're like trying to figure out, well, what do I do now? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so what we do is when people come into the program, people always ask, well, tell me what to eat or tell me what to do. And we pride ourselves in going through the journey with you so you can figure out with us what works best for you. Because at the end of the day, we're all – I mean – Biologically, we're all humans. There are certain rules we need to follow, but everybody's different in how they respond to certain things. Yeah. So it's about figuring out what's best for you and your results. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and we, what we were chatting about uh, before we started is, uh, and you before I say it, how you, how long how long have you had the app? When did you first create it? Uh, in 2019. So we've okay. had the app for about three years now. Um, but you were previously doing the online training uh, before yeah. that. We started online training probably back in 2016, um, nice. I, I'd love to say. And it was all through like text messages and emails. And people used to have to like type out like what they ate every single day, type yeah. out their workouts. And I don't think people nowadays, we always make fun because we have some of our clients have been with us for like five years. For sure. And we always make fun. We're like, remember when you used to have to like <laughs> send those reports and it probably took you like 30 minutes to an hour just to type it up. And now people are like, oh, it's so difficult to track my stuff in our app. I'm like, this is the easiest thing. Yeah, like people have no know, idea. man. <laughs> I used to walk to school uphill both right. ways, right? <laughs> um, oh, but what I was going to say is 2020 was huge for you guys because obviously everyone was online mm-hmm. at that point with so many gyms being shut down and which is really cool because it gave a lot of people from the online platform you know a very awesome equal opportunity a chance to compete with all the local gyms because everyone was couldn't even be in the local gyms. absolutely yeah we're super grateful it was bittersweet because the online stuff was starting to do really well and it got to a point where financially i said man we should have a headquarters where we can film videos and film content for our people but we can also run in-person classes and so we finally took that leap we opened up our gym uh in 2020 it was february 1st uh, of 2020, and it wasn't a month or two later that everything got shut down. So bittersweet because this new gym that we're going to do and this idea and all this <laughs> ambition was like, oh, and we lost upwards over 50% of our members yeah, you know, because of, because of COVID, um, the shutdowns and the regulations and stuff. But the online stuff, we went – I mean we ended up getting over 300, 350 people. Like it was crazy um, how much growth. But you know, I, I'm super grateful because of all the work we put into this online program. We had the foundation. So we were able to handle those people. We were able to make – 
custom plans for all those people and connect with them and get them to where they want to be during the hardest time for fitness, but also the most important time um, when it comes to everything. Now you said something interesting. So custom plans, uh, cause I know there's obviously a ton of different programs and whatnot out there. Some of which are custom, some of which are just template forms or whatever that is. What are some of the things you do, the, the intakes, the questionnaires and everything else that helps you develop the custom plans? Mm, uh, this is my favorite part of the process, but also the part where we figure out how serious people are about, their health and nutrition. So usually people will join a program and immediately say, oh, based on your goals, here's your plan, right? And in the first week to two weeks, we get people to document and track what they do, nice. right? So in this first period, people are like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? We're like, just track. We've like just out. track what you do because what that does is it tells us where you're at. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the biggest issues we have with nutrition plans is that it's so black and white. It's so from one extreme to the next. You went from drinking a couple times a week, eating pizza, not caring what you did on weekends, not working out to all of a sudden you're working out five days a week and you can't have carbs or sugar or alcohol. It's like night and day difference. And how are you supposed to make that a lifestyle, right? Yeah. And then people always talk about having to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight, right? Well, how much is a caloric deficit? For Most sure. people don't even know where they're at. And we find a lot of people are actually under eating on a regular basis more so than overeating. And it's causing all these hormone imbalances and issues with their thyroid and their metabolism. So when we track in that first week, what allows us to do is say, yeah, typically a coach would probably start you here. This is where your goals would be. But because you're 600 calories off of that goal, instead of just jumping you to where you need to be, it's like running a marathon, right? If your goal was to run a marathon, if your coach said, okay, sweet, you want to run a marathon, let's go do that right now, you'd look at him like he's crazy. Yeah. But with nutrition, when they say, oh, this is your goal is to lose weight, well, let's just cut all these calories or change all this stuff overnight, then how is that supposed to fit into your lifestyle? So we always teach people like, this is where you're at, this is where we want to be, and this is where we're going to start this week. And that's that's where the customization comes in for people. That's awesome. And, and uh, as we were kind of chatting about beforehand, some of the topics we want to discuss is the under-eating mm -hmm. mentality. Now, and part of the reason, uh, one of the things I wanted to chat with you specifically, because you do the cross-training, because you do the HIIT training, and those types of different mixed modal factors that how much does under eating really create a, a negative impact for people? Yeah. Well, I, I just give you guys a rundown through this, especially if you struggle with your weight. Most people who join a gym or they want to work out or change their nutrition, it's because they want to build lean muscle and burn fat. Like ultimately that's what it comes yep. down to. <laughs> Whether you want to perform better or you just want to look better or you lower your blood pressure, those two things always correlate. And what happens is, is that so many people are in this mindset of, I have to be in a caloric deficit to lose weight. But most people don't really understand how many calories they burn on a day just mm -hmm. being alive. And so they think, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and be like, oh my God, I'm eating 1,300 calories a day. That's too many. And so then they cut themselves to 1,200 and they lose a little bit of weight and then they hit a plateau. Yeah. So then they cut to 1,100 and they hit a plateau even faster. So then they cut to 1,000. <laughs> And then they aren't losing any more weight and they're like – then they go to 900 and it creates this, this cascade of negative events in your body. For sure. Right? And so what ends up happening is that you can't go any lower and you're wondering why you're not losing weight and what you didn't realize is that you weren't fueling yourself right for whether it's your training or building lean muscle, optimizing your hormones. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people struggle – just with hormones as a whole, when it comes to performing better, being 
uh, better in their workouts, losing weight, whatever the case is. So most people, when they actually come to us, they never have an issue with their carbs or their fats. Usually those two things are pretty um, in place. And so what we have people do for that first week or two is we have them track their food, right? You have to track your food just like you track your workouts to measure progress on what's working and what's not. And the biggest thing, it never fails. 99% of the people aren't eating enough protein. And protein is the only nutrient your body can use to build your lean muscle tissue, uh, to repair it and to preserve it, right? Not to mention its functions for your hormone production, Mm -hmm. like so many amazing things that your hair, skin and nails, protein, right? We've had clients, their hair is falling out and they're trying to do all these medications to fix their hair and we get them eating more protein. Like, oh, my hair is so much nicer. It's not falling out. It's crazy. And the scary part for people though, is that they want to perform better in the gym, right? They want to start working out but they've cut their calories so low, less than what you need just to even survive. And it's like, how do you expect to perform at a level high enough, whether it's HIIT training or cross training or bodybuilding, whatever it is, or even just running? How do you expect to perform well enough to challenge yourself if you're such, if you're not giving your body the nutrients it needs? For sure. Right? And not to mention that, let's say you do, you get over that and you are able to push yourself in the workouts. Well, the workout in itself is where you do damage and stress to your body. And because of that damage and stress, you've probably heard if you don't challenge yourself, you don't change, right? Um, so you challenge yourself. Your body says, man, here's all the stress. Now we need to recover. We need to adapt. We need to build this lean muscle so that way we can perform better next time. But again, we just said that protein is the only macronutrient that could technically create a lot of those adaptations. So if you're not fueling yourself the right way, how are you going to progress? How are you going to move forward? And this is the issue we see again and again, why somebody works out for two or three days. They're extremely sore. Their weight, like the first three days you wake up and you feel great, right? You wake up at 5am, you're crushing it. I (laughs) I never want to stop working out ever, right? We hear that all the time. And then come day four or the next week or the weekend, you're like, you're so dead to the world and tired. It's like, you can't even get the motivation to get out of bed. And you've heard it before. You are what you eat, right? And people aren't eating enough. So how could you expect to be more if you're not eating enough for that? Does that make sense? For sure. Um, Now on that same token, because I know we were talking about protein, obviously being less is how much carbs are demonized oh, and especially when you're looking at hit training now and and i think it really just depends too because um i had another nutritionist on a registered dietitian a while ago and it was the same thing not enough protein typically not enough calories but from an endurance standpoint looking at utilizing different substrates such as fat over carbs but mm-hmm. when you're talking about hit training I mean, fats come into play a little bit, but not as much as carbohydrates. Right. And so I think the issue is, and especially with a lot of the fad diets, people put a lot of emphasis on demonizing these things, but all three of them play a huge role, right? Even fats, as far as like your cell health and protecting your cell and optimizing and your hormones as well, fats are super important. But people say, oh, there's good fats like avocado. You can obviously, if you eat a whole avocado, for most people, that would be way too many fats for a lot of people, right? So again, it's specific to the person. It's not good or bad. It's the right portions for you. Same thing with carbs. A lot of people like, how could you say carbs are bad? If I were to ask you if broccoli is good for you or (laughs) Brussels sprouts are good for you, you'd be like, well, absolutely. I'm like, well, those are carbs, right? Right? Um, But it gets really funny when we start talking about like fruits and how some people have this controversy of fruits are healthy or not. Of course they're healthy. But again, if you only ate apples, bananas, and vegetables and nothing else, no fats, no protein, that wouldn't be good. And same thing for the alternative, right? So carbs are your body's main source of energy. And even you kind of mentioned like endurance running, even people who run marathons, if you 
you are a proficient marathon runner, you do Ironmans, what are they eating in the middle of their runs? They have these goo packs that are all carbs, yeah. right? Because they need that energy right here, right now. And the only way to get that is through carbohydrates. Fats take a long time to digest. And it's funny to me for people, especially like with a diet that's the Atkins diet or the keto diet, for you to say, oh, if I eat too many carbs, it'll get turned to fat. Well, do you not think the same for if you eat too many fats? Yeah, you fat, know, is fat, fat, fat is fat. Fat is fat. Fat is fat. Um, so just to get people away from the idea that carbs are bad and that you need it to fuel, and then the craziest thing ever, right? So I always teach people that um, the more lean muscle tissue that you can build, the more you'll increase your metabolism and ultimately burn more calories. So when we look at the long term of performing better or burning more fat, you want to build that lean muscle. A lot of people have this idea that if I eat too much protein or build too much muscle, I'll be bulky. I promise you, like you would have to easily eat double what you're eating right now just to even think about maybe yep. bulking. It's yep. not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But what people also don't think about is that your body's main function is to survive. That's it. And you need energy to survive. Yep. And carbs are your body's main source of energy. So if it had to choose between having the luxury of building more lean muscle and burning more fat, which stored fat is just stored energy in case you ever need it. If I had to choose between burning that fat and building lean muscle as a luxury or surviving and getting energy from your carbs, well, it's going to choose energy every single time. So if you're, even if you are eating enough protein, if you're under eating in carbs or not getting enough energy from your carbs or fats, well, your body still needs the energy. And your body is more than capable of taking the protein from your muscle or the protein you're eating and going through a process called nuco nucleo I'm messing up the word here. Glucogenesis. Nucleo yeah. I can't ever say it. I can't ever say it, but you you nailed it's, it. It's a mouthful. Um it's a mouthful. Um <laughs> yeah, but taking that cycle. protein and, and turning it into carbs, right? So it's almost counterproductive to not eat enough of, of these yeah. energy sources because then again, as your body's main energy system, if you're not getting it from the foods you're eating, you're going to get it from somewhere else. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you made an interesting point too. It's funny. I just had a patient this morning, um, more of an endurance athlete who's looking to get into some mixed modal training and more mm -hmm. resistant training and whatnot. And I was showing them, um, you know, a couple endurance athletes that are doing more of that OCR racing and that type of stuff, which mm -hmm. he's interested in. And, and one of the guys like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to be bulky like that. I'm like, you know, cause it, that's, that's this, such a common misconception <laughs> is. is that if you lift weights, you're going to get bulky. I was like, you need, you can't just make muscle out of nothing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's so funny because I was, 125 pounds soaking wet in high school. Same height, five, six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I used to wrestle and I never had to like, they would like make me eat more just to hit my weight class. For sure. And when I got to college, I got into bodybuilding and my goal was to get to 160 pounds, which took me about two years. But I don't think people realize the amount of food I have to eat on a daily basis to gain weight. And I still just look like an overgrown teenager. Like I still don't even look big, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's one of the hardest things to do. Like people say that they struggle losing weight, like losing weight. Once you understand it, right. Once you learn, you know, how to eat right in the right portions of stuff, once you have the discipline, it's just consistency yeah. to eat the amount of food you would have to eat to actually put on muscle and train your body to do that is so intense. I don't think people realize and it's just crazy. Like it's just not going to happen. And I, my favorite thing is, is somebody actually came to that. They said, I don't want to get bulky. I said, listen, I said, this is what you're doing now. This is what I'm going to make you do. 
Just trust the process. And if it makes you big and bulky, if in six weeks you're big and bulky, then just go back to what you were doing before and you'll be good, good, right? It'll go away, I promise. And it never happens. People never gain the weight. My my daughter's four right now. When she was born, uh, when I had more time, obviously only having two kids and earlier on in business – my goal was to bulk. Mm-hmm. And they call it the seafood diet, right? Like if you, you see food, food and you, eat, you it. eat it. And that's what I did. And I was joking because my wife was breastfeeding at the time too, consistent. We'll just have to have a baby. So I would make her the same shakes that I made that I also made. It consisted of almond milk, mm-hmm. half and half. I put like four scoops of peanut butter, protein, some cacao, and I don't know, something else, man. It was like that one shake was probably like a thousand calories in itself. But I was also doing the things that would promote it too. It wasn't like I was just lifting. And and with that too, you also have to do hypertrophy type of lifting. So I mean, what most people don't understand is like, there's so many things that have to come into play in order for that to actually happen, which does also make it challenging to build muscle for an older population as well, where hypertrophy training is so important. Yep. I'm dealing with uh, um, um, sarcopenia and everything else. Um, but I, but I think that's just what's so interesting is it's just like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. But to that point also, it just shows you when you're talking about quality, right? Because mm-hmm. when we're looking at calories, it's uh, fat, fast, fast, fat, that peanut butter, that whole point of the peanut butter. How many of you actually know what a serving size of peanut butter is? Oh my goodness. My favorite thing is my favorite thing on social media. They have a a little <laughs> meme going around. It's like what you think a serving of size of peanut butter is versus what an actual yeah. size is. And they had the tablespoon and it sure enough looks exactly like what I put on a on a spoon, right? right? Like It's like four times the amount of peanut butter. And I'm also like, Put that on my sandwich and like licking the spoon. Yeah, yep. I'm getting all of it. Whereas it's a teaspoon, and that one teaspoon is 180 calories, mm-hmm. uh, give or take. And right. now, not saying that that's bad, but when you're talking about calories in, calories out, and understanding the balance of protein, fats, and all these other things, is like we as a as a society overeat, yep. and it's typically overeating in not an advantageous way. We're saying you need more calories, right? but the conversation is really about like- The portions of The it. portions and, and what type of calories too. Well, and the amount of people who come to me and you'll probably, a lot of people fall into this category is whether they're, they have this goal, right? And they can't figure it out. And so they come to me asking for help and they say, I say, well, what does your nutrition look like? And they say, oh, I'm not worried about that because I eat healthy. Yeah. yeah. I say, well, if you're- <laughs> I eat pretty good. It's 80, per, you, and you've heard it before. It's 80% diet, 20% workouts. Abs are made in the kitchen. You can't outwork yep. a bad diet. So if your nutrition's on point, right? And that's what you're telling me, then why are you coming to me for help? Obviously yeah. something's missing. Yeah, yeah. And it's not always to say that you're not eating healthy, but you're not eating in the right portions. And that's why I always tell people to track their food. Like somebody who's doing the keto diet. I say, sweet, can I see what you've been eating? And they say, oh, I don't track. I'm just doing keto. And I almost chuckle on the inside, right? Because I'm like, the amount of carbs you do get if you're getting any are probably way more than what yeah. it needs to be. Or you're still under eating. Or even in the keto diet, you can overeat protein. And that same process could happen and throw you out of ketosis. So if you're not tracking, you really don't ever know, right? And same thing with like the serving size of peanut butter, right? People could say, oh, I'm eating healthy. Well, sweet, but you're eating three times the amount <laughs> you're supposed to and you don't realize it until you actually measure it and weigh it. 
Yeah, and ke- dude, keto cracks me up too because now you got keto, you got keto candy bars and mm-hmm. you know keto everything. My it's- favorite is keto water, and I really oh, shit, there was really? one of them, and I looked at it, <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe they like add something to it, but nope, it's just, just water. Just, it's just yeah. straight water, and they just put the word keto on front of it because they know people are gonna buy it. It's dude, the craziest thing to me. Cracks me up. And what's even funnier, and because you'll see this a lot too, like because you know there's a lot of fad going around around the higher protein diet and stuff too, but even with keto, is that there's a company that makes this bar, right? And it has, let's just say like 25 grams of carbs. And so then they make a bar that only has 19 grams of carbs. And so now to them, for their product line, that's a keto bar because it's less carbs. But it's not a keto bar. Same thing with protein, right? They'll have a cereal with one gram of protein. They'll add protein to it so it's five grams of protein. And they say, oh, high protein cereal. I'm like, get out of here. Yeah, I've seen that with like pancakes and different things too, right? Mm -hmm. Protein pancakes and and all that. But again, that's why like if we get you to track what you eat and you're doing all these high protein things, but then you realize how your carbs are being blown out of proportion because it's not really high protein, it's higher protein than what it was before. Then all of a sudden you start realizing that even though I'm trying to do higher protein, now it's blowing my carbs and fats and we can start to regulate those things. For sure. Um, And then so another point to all this to kind of bring this together (laughs) as far as calories in versus calories out um, and people under eating, what I find for most people as far as portion goes and fixing their hormones and regulating their metabolism and things like that, that most people, I don't even need them to eat in a caloric deficit, right? Because I always ask people, I say, what's your goal? Is it to lose weight or is it to burn fat? And people always say, well, I want both. And I'm like, no, no, if you had to choose. And they say, well, obviously I'd rather burn fat. I'm like, well, sweet. Losing weight's not hard, right? Like just like start skipping breakfast, Yeah. right? Like if I step on the scale and then I step off the scale and I eat a hamburger and I step back on the scale, you're heavier. Like just eat less, right? That's easy to lose weight. But when you try to do this the right way and burn fat, right? Again, we talk about building the lean muscle tissue, increasing your metabolism, burning more calories. And because people for so long have just focused in on calories in versus calories out, if I can just get you to eat the same amount of calories that you burn on a regular basis in the right portions with the right protein, your body's going to be like, holy cow, like what are we going to do with all this protein? It's going to do such amazing things for your metabolism, your thyroid, your hormones, that naturally you're going to burn more fat. And I said, even if you gain a pound or stay the same weight, but you feel better, you have more energy, your clothes are fitting better, the inches are coming off, wouldn't you rather that anyways? For sure. And so for most people, when they join the program, it's it's like super scary for them. I'm like, okay, sweet. This is where you're at. This is where we want to go. And this is where you're starting. They're like, oh my God, I was eating 1,200 calories and you're telling me to eat 1,600 calories? That's going to be way too many. And sure enough, like after six weeks, after eight weeks, they're like, oh my God, like they look at their photos and they're like, I never even realized, you know, where to go. And then once we regulate where everything's at and then you hit a plateau, now we have so much room to work with to be able to cut you down a little bit. But even with a caloric deficit, you don't want to be there for a long time, right? Because your body's not optimal there. You want to lower yourself a little bit, hit your plateau, then go back up to where you're optimal. And then you can cut a little bit more, right? And that's kind of the process that we have to repeat again and again and again. And that's where I think it's hard for people because they just want that one solution. Oh, I just have to give up carbs or I just have to eat in this window of time or I just have to do this one thing for the rest of forever and it's never going to have to change. But your body is always changing, right? You cannot eat the same thing you ate when you were 19 years old or drink the same way you drank when you first got to college (laughs) and have the same results, right? Like just with age in general, things change, right? I'm already starting to notice it for myself that my body doesn't hold on and, and use carbs the same way it used to when I was in my 20, or in my early 20s, right? So yeah. I'm starting to notice that, hey, I got to get my fats a little higher, my carbs a little lower just for how my body's changing. For sure. So one of the other, I, I can't remember when I was going through your gym, do you guys use an in-body? 
We do have an in-body scan. Yeah, so I so I wanted to go back to basal metabolic, right? So we have an in-body scanner that we we've we've had for many years now. We mostly got it because gyms that we were a part of or gyms within the community, every New Year's, everyone's doing a New Year's challenge and it's yep. always about weight loss. And people would get super upset. They're like, I didn't lose any weight. And so really having the conversation with, well, if you lose three pounds of fat, but you gain three pounds of muscle, what's your net loss? Correct. And they're like, oh, I guess it's not anything. So you tip the scales in a beneficial way, even though it shows the same amount. Mm -hmm. And so what's important about that is for those of you who don't understand what basal metabolic rate is, this is the way I describe it, is imagine, which is kind of a, a weird analogy, I apologize, but imagine you're in the hospital and you're on, and you were just in an accident and you're just laying there, right? You're just laying there because you're just in an accident. This is the amount of calories they need to give you to sustain basic metabolic functions, i.e. your heart, your, your digestive system, so on and so forth, so that you don't start wasting away. Because if you're under that, then your body will pull from whatever it can, whether that's fat, whether that's protein or stored glycogen within the muscle, so on and so forth. So you can still use glycogen being uh, glucose and or carbs, right? Yep. So you can still utilize those, but your body's going to start wasting away. Now, obviously, can you be like, well, can I se select fat first? <laughs> right. doesn't happen that way. So what most people don't understand is I show them that basal metabolic rate based on their lean muscle mass, which is comes to your point, right? And they're just like, oh shit, I'm like really below that. Well, and what's really crazy off that point is you just said that if you were in an accident, you were laying in the hospital bed doing nothing. That's yeah. Some people come to my gym and they do the in-body scan right before they work out and burn an extra 300 calories. Yeah. So you got to think that let's say your in-body scan says you burn 1350 calories just to be alive, not wither away. Well, if you just come do this workout and you burn an extra 200 calories, well, now you're at 1550. Not to mention walking and living movement, <laughs> right? Lifting your kids up, right? Yeah. Like all these things that happen throughout the day. Like that's where I'm saying, like when people see I'm putting them at 1600 calories, I'm like, it's probably a, just a good amount for you. It's just making sure we eat in the right portions of things, you know? For sure. Um, so, so yeah. And, and with the in-body scan, what we really use it for more than anything is a measuring tool. So, I'm not a big fan of scales in general because there's so much room for um, it, like variation. Yeah, there's right? error variation. Um, just like I just said, like people will come to me and they will when they we have check-ins once a week and they'll get on the scale like, oh, it's up two pounds. And I'm like, well, yesterday you just went out to eat and you don't normally do that, so your sodium is probably higher, retaining more water, or you just ate more food than you're used to. Um, or my favorite is like when ladies are on their period. And I'm like, yeah. you know that this happens every month. Yeah. You're retaining fluid. Your hormones are all out of whack and you're going to gain. The most weight I've ever seen a lady gain during their period was 12 pounds. Huh? And it wasn't the week later, they had. It looked like they lost 15 pounds in one week. <laughs> That's crazy. It's it was insane <laughs> because you're not going to hold on to that weight, yeah. right? Um, but same thing with an in-body scan, right? Like you can get on the scale before the workout or after. Yeah. Even coffee, having caffeine before you get on the in-body scan could vary the results. How much water you're drinking, all these things could vary it. So, of course, we always take things, and I just. I actually just did a lecture on this not too long ago. I said, as a coach, this is why I tell you that it has to take more than an eight-week challenge, right? It has to be a lifestyle because we look at things on a monthly basis. Yes, you check in on a weekly basis to make sure like, hey, do we need to tweak anything and keep <laughs> you motivated? But over the course of a month, what does this in-body scan look like? So that way you can get rid of those variables. And then For sure. the longer you stick to the program, three months of data, six months of data, a year of data, that one time that scale was extra high for whatever reason – 
Well, it's not going to look like much over the course of time. We can see where those trends are happening, right? Um, so my favorite way to track progress is two things. is One, how do you feel? And two, your progress photos. When yeah. I ask you, how do you feel? And you're like, oh, my clothes are fitting better, but oh, the scale's up four pounds. I'm like, I'm like, you just said your clothes are fitting better and you feel great and have more energy, but the scale's up, right? Well, again, right, if your body's used to eating 1,000 calories because you've been cutting and now I have you eating 1,300, the scale's probably going to go up, but you're burning fat, right? Yeah. So like, again, and we look at progress photos and again, over the course of three months, six months, everybody hates their progress photos. Like, oh, I don't want to take them. Like, that's the reason why you need to take them. Yeah. That's the reason why you're here is because you don't like the way you look and you want to fix that. Yeah, yeah. And it never fails. Within three months, six months, they look and I show them those pictures like, holy cow. Yeah. I, I just, I think back to that person six months ago and they didn't even want to take that photo. I'm so glad that I did it. Well, and to that note too, I mean, going back to that time where I was talking about bulking and I was lifting, I was eating... And, and this was again the seafood diet. I was I, when I say eating everything, I wasn't like I was slamming candy bars and shit. You know, I was definitely eating a much more high fat diet mm-hmm. and high protein diet. Uh, but I wasn't really being restrictive in any sense. I was at my lowest body fat percentage, and I looked the best that I ever did. But I was also the heaviest yep. I've ever been. That being the key, I was probably I got up to, and it was kind of crazy. And again, this is going off the in body and the scales, but mm-hmm. the scale showed this. I I hover around one ninety within within uh, within twelve weeks. I was up to two fifteen. Mm-hmm. And but I was lifting one rep max heavy stuff, a lot of that was, and I was still doing like high intensity with because I do a ton of kettlebells. But I was the heaviest I've ever been, I was the leanest I've ever been, also looked the ever that looked the best that I ever have. Absolutely, it's crazy because I was, yeah, it was just I love that, yeah. And now I'm like, I want to be able to get, I want to try to bulk and get that much. It's just, it was just, but it was hard because it was, I was eating everything, but the training was the hardest part to be honest Mm -hmm. because it, it took again back to the point. It took a specific type of training to yep. hypertrophy. Yep, absolutely. And I think back to like what you were saying with the scale and stuff. Like, I don't want to diminish the scale because we do use it as a measuring tool. It's a tool. It's, it's a also, tool. It's a tool. But the issue I run into is when people like their identity is yeah. in that scale because we actually have this with a couple of our clients. Like, they struggle with their body image and their weight or their performance, whatever it yeah, was, yeah. and their whole identity was in that scale and losing weight. And when they learned what we taught them, again, education is such a huge piece. They did it. Like they lost the weight. And it's like, well, then like what's your purpose after that, right? You know? And so what's really hard is that once you get to that point where you've lost the weight or you're really, really, really lean, that the scale might actually start going in the opposite or you're definitely not going to lose any more weight, right? And so to find the motivation or realize that, hey, you have a different goal now, it's so hard to separate people from that scale. So right from the beginning when somebody joins the program, although we use that as a tool, I try my very hardest not to have somebody identify like their happiness, what the number on the scale says, because even just working out harder, right? Like I've, my favorite example is like, if you used to go start going for a run outside and you get a little bit of a sunburn, well, if you get a sunburn, your body is going to want to repair that. It's going to send fluid. It's going to send nutrients to fix that sunburn. Yep. You're going to retain water. The scale is going to go up. And people don't think about that. Like same thing happens with your muscles. Like you work out, your muscles get sore, they swell a little bit. And so all of a sudden after one week, the scale goes up because you're sore and you've been working so hard and your pants might fit a little tighter because your muscles are swollen and they think, oh, I'm bulking. <laughs> and I'm like, if it happened that fast, like yeah. I would already be like 190 pounds at the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Like that's how it would be. And 
it just doesn't happen that way, right? And so the thing is, of course, is it's going to take time, right? Like let it play out, let it happen. It's going to take way longer than just a week. And again, even after that, like how long are you willing to be consistent with this thing? Because once you learn these things and you get the performance or you get the goal or you lose the weight, well, something has to happen after that. Yeah. Because as soon as you stop tracking the food or you <coughs> stop tracking the workouts or you stop where there's no more goal or no more ambition, then you're going to go right back to your old habits and you're going to end up right back in the same situation you were before. What, what uh, we did with a few people and knowing that they had that uh, that mindset and that reservation about the scale is before those challenges, I would just put like a sticky note or a piece of paper up there mm. so they couldn't even see the results. And yeah. then at the end, you're like, hey, look what you did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ah, so they had, so cool. they had no idea what it was. But to that point also, I was listening to um, uh, the, it's called the, it's either Huberman or Huberman podcast. Have you heard of him? Andrew Huberman. He's a, he's a Stanford professor. So each podcast episode is literally like a neuroscience lecture. It's amazing, but he has amazing guests on too. And I, and I apologize. I cannot remember the gal's name because I literally just listened to part of it yesterday, but she does a lot of research on mindset. And what was really interesting is they were talking about mindset and nutrition. Mm -hmm. So Oftentimes, and, they, and this was it's called the milkshake study. So they had they had a milkshake, and they had uh, they split up into two groups. So they had one group who was basically told, "Hey, this is a high fat, uh, this is a high fat milkshake uh, that you're going to consume forever amount." So the per- the fact that the person knew is high fat milkshake, they thought it was high fat. They thought they were consuming high fat. They had a certain hormonal response within their body. They were given the exact same milkshake that they were told was high fat and say, oh, this is actually a low fat milkshake thinking it's healthier for you, right? Mm-hmm. They actually saw a reduction in ghrelin, which is basically that hormone that's released to tell you more you were hungry. Um, they saw that they saw a reduction in the ghrelin uh, with that because they assumed that they were actually eating something healthier, wow. right? So a lot of so basically what they're pointing towards is like when you're looking at nutrition, this is the whole demonizing of the carbs, the proteins, the fat, whatever it is. When you have that negative mindset or connotation about what that's doing for you, you're actually in turn creating a negative yep. internal effect hormonally just from that. Whereas if you think like, oh, this is broccoli, and this is the education component which you guys do so well about. This is broccoli. It's not like we know it's good for us, but like we don't really know why. Oh, this is broccoli. It's got carbohydrates in it. So it's got a lot of good vitamins and minerals. That's good. And then you actually have a much more positive hormonal effect outside mm-hmm. from just the normal metabolic effect. Yeah. Well, two points to to what you just said about first education, the demonizing of things. And I think a lot of it, the demonizing has to how people were raised, like how their parents oh, viewed nutrition dude, stuff. Huge. Dude, the amount of people who come to me and say, I can eat potatoes. I'm like, potatoes are amazing. And it's amazing to me how they think potatoes are bad. So they won't eat potatoes, but then they'll go get a processed tortilla and go wrap that because they don't want to have potatoes with their ground meat. They want to have yeah. – I'm like, because it says – But, lo- but it says low calorie, yeah. right? So it's just the low calorie thing is healthy, but the potato that grows from the earth is not, right? Too much starch, man. Right. So it's just crazy how people envision these things. But there was a study that I did in college and I wish I had it. I need to go find it because I talk about it all the time uh, around mindset. And they had three groups. And they had one group that just didn't work out at all, right? They had the last group that got to work out in a gym. And they had this this middle group that got to go to the gym, but they didn't work out. And they just watched videos of people working out and learning. And of course, the people who didn't work out saw the worst results, right? The people who did work out saw the best results. But what was crazy was that middle group that still didn't work out, but was just in the environment and learning. And it was just a part of their life. And they were in that mindset. 
performed better than the group that didn't work out at all, even though they had the same amount of activity. Yeah. And it's just, it's crazy to me to think, right, how important that mindset is. And again, that's why we've emphasized so much in our program, the educational side of that. Because if we can get you to understand why you're doing this and understand what you're putting on your plate and the importance versus a coach saying, oh, eat chicken and broccoli. And you're like, oh, I hate chicken and broccoli. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the, the education is just so important there. Yeah, it's funny because that guy had mentioned a very similar study where they were looking at people that did uh, their their occupation was more activity than obviously like a desk worker. So in this particular study, they talked about um, like housekeeping at like a, a hotel or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so they asked them. The majority of the people assumed like, "Oh, I'm not I'm not working out right because their day to day activities in life didn't seem like working out." But so they took the group, they split them up, and you know one side basically was not told about the benefits of movement and exercise, and the other one's just like, "Hey, you guys actually are moving quite a bit, and you should consider this a good amount of your exercise." daily recommendations for which you begin for a week saw significant physiological changes within their body wow. simply by doing the exact same thing and that's the hard part too is what we talk about is just like a lot of times people assume that you have to only do things within the gym some of some people live a very active life for instance like not all but like mechanics or landscapers i'm like hey man and this is back when i was doing some more coaching i was like you don't need to come in here and bust yourself you're working out seven hours a day like if anything you should come in here and supplement and augment some maybe some Mm -hmm. uh some of the deficits you have in certain problematic areas but you're just crushing yourself not understanding that you're also working out well isn't that so funny because like again i feel almost everybody if i said this you would say oh yeah i've heard that before it's 80 percent diet 20 percent workouts we talked about this earlier abs are made in the kitchen you cannot work a bad diet but these landscapers who are working all day or these nurses who are on their feet all day yeah Oh, I want to get in shape. Well, let me go to the gym. Like, like you're already, I've had people lose 30 pounds just walking, right? Like, or like literally any activity that's more than what you're doing now, or if you just consider what you're doing as physical activity, if you can just fix your diet, if we can teach you about those things, like you got to think that in one workout, you might burn what a hundred calories, right? 200 calories. But you have to think that throughout the entire day, you might be burning 1300, 1400 calories. So that workout, as far as calorie expense, like the expenditure. amount of pop- expenditure. Yeah. I didn't want to have yeah, to yeah. mess up another word today. Um, <laughs> like it's so small, it's yeah. so minute compared to the amount of calories you're eating throughout the day. So that's going to play such a bigger role when it comes to your results than anything else. Yeah, I had a conversation with a colleague. Uh, this was years ago, but I was talking about same same principle, right? We as hunter gatherers, what is the same thing that what is the what is the one movement? This is the question he asked. What is the one movement that humans have been doing for eons that's burned the most calories than anything else? Walking, walking, right? Just and it's and it's and and it's and it's not only just the amount of calorie expenditure, but also that comes with it, right? Because mm-hmm. most of us are walking outdoors. But the added benefits from not only being outside, there's just so many other benefits layered on top of that. But from going back to that, that calorie expenditure, and and again, technology, scales, wearable devices, and things like that, they have their place. Maybe not the most accurate, but in 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 the turn of this year, I've been attempting the 75 hour challenge. Had mm-hmm. many ups and downs, but seeing that, but seeing from a heart rate strap monitor and everything else, seeing the changes that I get from consistent walking and or more aerobic based type of things like running, I'm 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 hitting more than I am on my hit training, yep. my high intensity interval training, which is saying that you actually burn more fat and stuff with this. I mean, there's yep. it's ah, it's it's just crazy. <laughs> it's just interesting to think about because then you also dive in into which is a whole nother thing, which I don't know as much about, but talking about the implications of nasal breathing and aerobic capacity actually burning more fat than high intensity when you're at a certain level you're basically within a zone that's only 
predominantly burning carbs and things like mm -hmm. that. So, you know, it's much more layered in than most people think. But at the same time, we oftentimes make it more complex than it yeah, has absolutely. to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because I just, I literally just did a call on this right before we started this podcast. And it's the question is, is like, well, what's the best workout? And the answer is yeah, always yeah. what you love and what you can do most consistently. It's, exactly. it's very difficult for me as a coach to, con to motivate you and convince you to work out. Like it's so hard for me to do, and I think people look for that. I'm like, you've got to, you have to make up your mind that you're going to work out, <laughs> right? So even if it's just a 10 minute walk a day, yeah, and you do that seven days a week, which isn't hard, right? It's a 10 minute walk, but what that does is it builds the habit. And for now sure. it's easy for me to change what you do in that 10 minutes, or to add on to that 10 minutes, than it is for me to convince you to do the 10 minutes. Yeah, and we just talked about the fact how all the benefits of walking and the great things about it, and again while you're doing that, we can focus on your nutrition, which is going to play the biggest factor anyways. And we just build from there. Do you know who Pavel Satsulin is? Kettlebell guy. He's the one who's kind of coined for bringing kettlebells to to, to the States in America. Uh, he's, he, you know, Russian says comrade a lot and things like that. But he's funny. He, he, has a, he has a quote or a saying. He's like, you're all adults. I don't need to cheerlead you. I don't need to motivate you. You either want it or you don't. That's right. Right. That's, that's what that it. is the end of it. Either you want it or you don't. Well, I do want it, but I don't want to wake up. I'm like, that's fine. You just want to sleep more than you yeah. want. To, you want these results. That's the end of it. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate uh, your time. Um, is there anything else you want to add, or you, maybe let's finish up with uh, with a plug? Where can people find you? What's your website? What's your Instagram oh. handle? Like, we'll, kind of that stuff. We'll go through all the things. So you guys can find me on social media. It's Roy underscore U L R I C H. So Roy underscore Allrich. Um, but if you're interested in training with us or anything like that, that's going to be the best place to find me and shoot me a message on there. Um, and then I can point you in the right direction of what you want to do. If you're yeah. local uh, to Colorado, I'd love to meet you in person. Our gym is in Lafayette, Colorado, right by the Centaurus High School. Um, but you can go to Ruff, R-U-F, colorado.com. Uh, so that's R-U-F, colorado.com. Um, that's our local gym. But if you're looking for maybe you're out of the state or maybe you're just an hour away and you don't want to come all the way for that drive, we do, like we said, our own app is less than a dollar a day. Custom programming is 29 bucks a month. Um, if you're ever interested in like a supplement regimen or what to do with your nutrition or workouts, um, it is just trainruf.com. Um, but again, right, you're going to go to those websites and be like, I don't even know what's best. So yeah. best thing is just to find me on Instagram or you can email me Roy at trainrough.com um, and let me help you and guide you. Because again, we do everything custom. So the best thing is for me and you just to talk and say, okay, well, where do we need to go from here? And then I can point you in the right direction. Awesome, man. Well, uh, thanks again for taking the time. Dude, I always absolutely. love talking about these things. And yeah. definitely good knowledge from someone who's doing it on a daily basis. Cool. I do it every day. I love yeah. it. It's <laughs> been my purpose for a long time. So I appreciate you having me, man. And of course. If you ever need anything from me, you just let me know. Yeah, we appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. Live loud. Later.